The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Those are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ talking about discipleship. And then the rest of it, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you on Exploring the Word today. And uh, we will be concluding chapter 8 of Mark and going into chapter 9. But before that, Alex, we have a very, and, and and I use that word very importantly, very special guest with us today. Yes, we do. Well, Steve Tiber and Eight Days of Hope have been just valued colleagues and friends in ministry for so many years. And, you know, whenever the nation is hurting and there's a natural disaster and there's uh, helping people out and doing it in the, the name of Jesus, Eight Days of Hope is really at the forefront. And so it's always a privilege. Uh, Brother Steve, uh, you're on the line, right? Yes, sir. Good afternoon. How are you? Well, we're blessed and just very honored to be speaking with you, Steve. Well, thank you. I'm uh, calling in from Hamery, Mississippi. As you guys know, last Friday night, an EF3-4 tornado came through the state where there was loss of life and so many families suffering significant damage to their homes, their businesses, their churches, their schools. Um, we were here Saturday, and you know, we, we exist really for one purpose. It's on every truck and vehicle that God has blessed us with. It says love and serve those in need. And that's what we've been trying to do the last three, four days, love these families and serve them and be a, a, hopefully a, a glimpse of hope during a tough time. Well, eight days of hope is if a ministry can be a hero, eight days of hope is it. And I, <laughs> I say that as well, Steve. This is good to have you, brother. And uh, we appreciate you so much. Did you fly down from Buffalo? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we, uh, you know, the the good news is Eight Days of Hope. We have 211 volunteer leaders. They represent 11 denominations, all Christian denominations. And God has blessed us over the last 18 years. We've responded all over the country and have now helped 9,000 families build their homes for Mm. free after disasters. And so, you know, here this week, uh, we plan on being in Amory, Mississippi for a couple weeks. Uh, But yeah, 44 leaders showed up. So I didn't show up to this morning, just to be very transparent. But, you know, we God has blessed us with some amazing people. You know, people are looking, Bert, to give back. We're just a conduit for the local church. Amen. So, you know, as you know, we, we part, partner with local churches, and that's what we're doing right now. We're partnering with a, a Baptist church that's our headquarters. Uh, we have laundry trailers and shower trailers uh, throughout the city of Amory at different churches. And again, our goal is simple. We're trying to bring some hope to those who are brokenhearted. And I tell you, it's, it's a beautiful day today, but there's a lot of work to be had. Hey, Steve, Alex here. So the tornado was Friday night, and, and you were already on the ground by daybreak Saturday morning. How do you work that quickly? How, how, how do you guys mobilize so fast? You know, we have 18 national partners, and they sow into the Ministry of Eight Days of Hope. They cover our fixed costs. Our first ever national partner was American Family Radio. I'll never forget meeting Don Wildman and and encouraging him to consider partnering with us back after Katrina in 2005. Our partners over the years have helped us to buy about $6 million of equipment. We have feeding trailers, shower trailers, laundry trailers, trailer after trailer of chainsaws. Today in Amory, there's 10 bobcats moving debris. There's three lift trucks taking um, trees off of people's homes. So it all starts with partnerships. So we don't raise a penny. We just go very quickly because the equipment's there and the volunteer leaders have been trained. And then we just see God show up. Um, Today we had a chance to pray with a lady who um, didn't know Jesus, and unfortunately a tornado came to Amory, but today she's a new sister in Christ. So we're seeing this happen all the time. God is moving even after, you know, someone asked me today, actually it was last night, I was flying to Atlanta. And he said, well, you know, he wasn't a believer. He said, well, why, why does God, God could have stopped that tornado. And I said, you know, unfortunately, there's sin in the world. And, and because of sin, there's disasters. But God sends his people to bring hope to those 
uh, who have nowhere to turn to be a reflection of his son, Jesus. That's what's happening here in Mississippi over the next couple of weeks. Well, Steve, when I say you're being here in northeast Mississippi, the seed was planted in northeast Mississippi with you and your dad. I mean, I know the story. You know I know it, and I love it because we've talked about it many times. (laughs) But there was Katrina, and here in Tupelo, Mississippi, you and your dad decided to do something about it. Okay, let me, if my math is right, 18 years ago, is that close to how many years? Yes, sir. And if you remember, Bert, the plan was my dad was going to bring two friends, and I was going to bring two friends. Uh, it was our small. It was our smallest trip ever, but we took 684 people with us and rebuilt 80, 84 homes in eight days. And so, you know, in May we're going to be going to Fort Myers. It will be our 19th rebuilding trip. Um, so we have a lot going on with the ministry. Yesterday we left Memphis, Tennessee. We just built our 14th safe house for women rescued from trafficking with a ministry called A Way Out Ministries. So you know, right now all we are is a conduit for 50,000 volunteers. That wasn't the goal. That wasn't the plan. But God had a different plan, and it shows us who's really in control. Amen. I call Alex. I know it's your turn, but I call that multiplication, not just Amen. addition, brother. You know. <laughs> Amen. And so the name Eight Days of Hope" uh, relates to that very first mission outing that was eight days. Is that right? Yeah, so our rebuilding trips are all eight days long. So last year we went to Laplace, Louisiana, because of Hurricane Ida, and then we went mm-hmm. to Lake Charles, Louisiana, because of Hurricane Delta, Laura, and um, uh, Zeta. And and so those are eight days long. Now we're, we're launching a brand new arm of the ministry actually this week. Uh, we have purchased about $1.1 million of feeding equipment, and we have 40—well, we don't have anything. God has sent us— 40 volunteers who are going to be trained the next three days to make mass amounts of food that a local church to give to families in need after disaster. So like last year in La Paz, Louisiana, Hurricane Ida caused uh, a power outage for 26 days. Well, we start making food and we saw people meeting Jesus sitting in their cars while their cars were running because a person from the local church gave them a meal, asked them some questions, prayed with them, cried with them. And I thought, wait a minute, why are we making this? So- this is too easy. And so long story <laughs> short, our, our mass feeding arm will deploy for eight days as, as, at a time as well. And, and that feeding unit, wait till you guys hear this. Guess how many meals that can make every two hours? Just take a guess. <laughs> 2,000. 8,000 8, meals in two hours. Oh, my word. <laughs> That's amazing. We should have gotten that with eight now. You, uh, you, you're being consistent, Steve. Listen, let's, let's get to Amory. And do you still need volunteers there in Amory? We do. We, we do. We're going to be here right till Easter Saturday. Um, we probably will announce an ex- extension here in the next couple of days. Um, today, we have 500 people here. Uh, well, again, we have nothing. God has sent 500 angels here from around the country. Um, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com, and then click on the FAQs. Read me all the questions you would need to know. It's free. We provide food and lodging. Today, I think there's 10 different families, 10 different crews out here serving the community. Tomorrow, there should be about 12 or 13. So you don't have to be skilled. You do have to be 16. If you're 16 or 17, you have to come with your parent or legal guardian. Again, it's free. We provide food and lodging. All the information is on our website at 8daysofhope.com. Wow. This is so exciting. And Brother Steve, I just I commend you. This is so hands-on, grassroots just all for the Lord. And every time we've ever talked, which has been many times, I can just hear the joy of the Lord in your voice because, you know, whether it's cleaning up or whether it's rebuilding a structure or leading a soul to Christ as you, as you all, you do all those things and more. um, You have always struck me as a guy just thrilled to see the Lord at work. And that, that zeal and excitement translates to all of us. Bert, could we pray uh, you know, live on air right now for eight days of hope, and of course the, you know, right now our nation emotions are raw about the shooting in Nashville. Emotions are very uh, raw about the the loss in Amory. But let's pray for eight days of hope, Bert. You want to do that? Yes, let's do that. Father, Lead I us. thank you so much for the privilege it is to partner with eight days of hope. And when I look at your word, especially in the New Testament, I see partnership, those that agree to work together, Jesus would draw those men to him, and then he would, uh, they would work together, 
and eight days of hope and all those others that supply the needs that they have are ready to go to work. Father, we come to you thanking you and praising you for what you do and laying on people's hearts to be a part of a ministry that would serve others as they serve you. And, Father, we pray for Steve. Keep on blessing him. Bless his family, what a family he has. And I thank you for them and be with them as he's down here. Bless those families that have given themselves to be in Amory to serve Mm -hmm. you. And, Father, we thank you again for all that you are doing and you're going to do. For those that are on their way to Amory, give them traveling grace. Give them grace as they cut the trees, as they pile up the 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 trash and all the the lumber that was left over and trying to discard it and put it aside and the tarps that are going on the roofs as they're climbing on the roofs and putting those there father protect them and father may you be glorified and may men women boys and girls be drawn to you and be saved that's our prayer in jesus name amen amen Thank you guys so much. Please give everyone a hug for me from all of us here at uh, Eight Days of Hope. Again, without our national partners, we couldn't do what we do. And AFR, AFA, um, y'all were the first partner back in 2005. So thank you guys. We love you and hope to see you soon. Thank you, Steve. Love you, brother. brother. We really do. God bless you, brother. Amen. Alex, uh, what a partnership to have with someone. And we we have other partnerships. One of the things that makes... AFR effective, even in some of the things that's been financially, de- uh, economically down times, uh, AFR has continued, and I believe a lot of it has to do with partnership. Here we are with Eight Days of Hope. We do the same thing with with other ministries, and so God, God loves that because that way I don't think anybody says, look at me. They're saying, look at what God has done, you know? Amen. Amen. Well, and I want to tell you, it's it's rare for a ministry, an, an international ministry like AFA, the American Family Association, American Family Radio Network, The Stand, American uh, Film Studios, so many arms of this ministry, but it's rare for a, you know, really large organization to be so open-handed. And Bert, you know what I mean? When, uh, whether it's you know, Samaritan's Purse or Eight Days of Hope or um, Tank Full of Love, so many different ministries that this organization helps. And I do think God is pleased with that. I do as well. We're going to come back and we're going to start in Mark chapter 8, verse 34, some of the most important scriptures you'll ever hear from the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't go away. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts. He is the state's junior senator and a former member of the U.S. House of Representatives. Matthew 5.16 reminds us of the qualities of a good leader. In the same way, Let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Senator Ed Markey as he leads the people of Massachusetts each day. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. These days, most of us know more about contagious diseases and how they spread than we ever thought we would. But Dr. Tony Evans says there's a spiritual pandemic on the loose that often goes untreated. He'll tell us more about it as we spend two minutes with Tony. Suppose you were a world-class physician and you discovered that there was a disease that had infiltrated the human race and that this disease is in fact terminal. You inject the vaccine into yourself or the antibody, the virus disappears in you. You are now totally, completely healed. Would you think at that point that you would have an obligation to let everybody else know that you have a cure? 
There is, brothers and sisters, a disease that has infected the whole human race. It's called sin. And it's affected every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, and it is terminal. However, there is a cure. The cure is the blood of Jesus Christ. Most in this room, if not all, have injected the vaccine and have received the Savior and have been forgiven by the blood. Now my question, what would you say about a person who was cured from a terminal disease and would keep it to themselves? That's exactly what we do when we fail to witness. When we fail to share Christ, we fail to offer the vaccine for terminal disease. If you've never taken the cure Tony was talking about, visit us today at TonyEvans.org and follow the link that says Jesus. He'll explain how you can be forgiven for everything you've done wrong and begin a brand new eternal life. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Colossians 1 verse 13. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Father, I'm in a desperate place. Father, I know you can bear the weight. Father, take me in your arms. We're in Mark chapter 8 on Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here. We're in the New Testament Gospel of Mark chapter 8. And beginning at verse 34, really, this is one of those examples where some incredibly significant truth is being shared. But, Bert, you know how very often um, common sayings and ideas that just make their way into the vocabulary for centuries come right out of Scripture. And you might have heard the phrase, uh, well, such and such, that's just his cross to bear. And the idea of bearing a cross, which means, you know, you faithfully hold up under a responsibility or a burden, comes right out of Scripture because Jesus is talking to the disciples, and he had, um, much like in John chapter 6, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus explained that he was going to suffer many things at the hands of the elders and chief priests. Peter rebukes him and says, Lord, I'm... I'm not ever going to let that happen. Jesus then rebukes Peter. But then in verse 34 and following, Jesus talks about bearing a cross, taking up our cross and following him. And of course, Jesus would, as Philippians 2 tells us, he was willing to go to the death, even the death on the cross. So Bert, uh, thank God we are saved by the cross that Jesus bore but we grow in the Lord as disciples and in sanctification by the cross that we are daily willing to bear. Isn't that true? We really are, Alex. And again, uh, listen, the cross was a place of death. That is the purpose of it. We're to die to self when? At the moment of salvation, that's what we do. We give up on ourselves and turn to him. And then as we grow, we do that daily, taking up that cross putting myself to death, self. Let me just tell you, uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our selfishness that we have within ourselves, and is to, Paul was talking about crucifying it daily. And so here it says, take up his cross and follow me. Now, taking up your cross, listen, and follow me. That is the whole idea. You're not going your way. Everything about this thing is about Jesus. Deny yourself. Take up the cross, the cross of death, and follow me. That's what we do in discipleship, in following the Lord. And then he continues on talking about this death and life. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Now what? Man, that's turning everything around. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it? Alex, mm. uh, that sounds like the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It sounds like Jesus turns everything upside down, doesn't it? Well, there, there's a lot about the Christian life and, frankly, the biblical worldview that to this world would seem like a paradox, uh, really irreconcilably contradictory. But no, it's just like that a holy God could rescue an unholy fallen humanity. A God of justice could show the greatest acts 
of grace in world history. Mount might sound like a paradox, but here's the thing. The way to live is to die to yourself and throw yourself into the arms of Jesus. The way to be blessed is not to seek blessing, but obedience. And Bert, let me just turn it around the opposite direction. The way to be uh, in bondage is to think you can live free without Jesus, Yeah. right? The surest way to be miserable is to focus only on yourself. So there is a lot about the Christian life that might seem paradoxical, but God's ways are not man's ways. And uh, so maybe even now as we talk about this, you're listening and people are hearing all this and you've tried every avenue the world has put before you and you still feel empty and you've reached a lot of dead-end streets. Come on to the the pathway of life, which is a relationship to Jesus. That is what your heart has truly been searching for. It really is. And and verse 36 continues, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Alex, that lets you know that eternity is more important than the immediate. And and this is where a lot of the struggles is, and this is what we were talking about the shooting in Nashville, horrible. Mm. The tornadoes that swept through Mississippi, and even they're saying there's some more storms coming, the possibility this weekend, the Midwest, and even in the South. So you never know. But listen, this world is temporary. And those of us that are saved, listen, uh, we don't know what we're going to go through before we meet our Savior, but we know he's with us. And when that happens, we're with him and we don't lose our soul. We're with Christ. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let me just share with you. That, you remember the parable, or really the story that Jesus told about the rich man and Lazarus? When oh, rich yeah. man, 16. Yeah, when he, when he was in hell and he was in torment, I, I think he would have exchanged all the riches he had in this lifetime to not bear where he was at that time. You know? Oh, uh, yes. Well, and, and let me just say this, uh, and I don't mean to go backwards, but about bearing the cross. Bert, have you ever heard much about the wonderful, wonderful missionary Lottie Moon? Oh, yes, yes. L- Lottie those, Moon. Of us, those of us that are Southern Baptist, every year at Christmas time, we would know about Lottie Moon and hear her story. Great, great yeah. missionary. Well, and, you know, talk about courage. Oh, my goodness, uh, this is well more than a hundred years ago, how she as a single woman went to China and ultimately pretty much starved to death, bringing the gospel to Chinese people. And really a lot of the the fervency of the Christian gospel in China, even to this day, is due to God's work through the life of this one woman, Lottie Moon. But when she went to China, she took, uh, as I understand the story, pretty much uh, her few meager worldly belongings in a coffin. And that's how missionaries used to do. You know, the cross is an instrument of death, and we think of death when we think of a coffin. But missionaries that would go to the foreign soil, I mean, they, they would go to the other side of the world, and very often their traveling trunk, not a suitcase, but a coffin. That's exactly they, right. They would go where God sent them, and they would die there to bring the gospel of life. And, Bert, I want to say this, whether it's um, to be a part of a struggling church. And and listen, every one of us, if you're a believer, you are to be in in a local church. Uh, And it can be one of a hundred varieties, but a church that believes the Bible, that lifts up Jesus, that preaches salvation through Jesus— and maybe you're serving on a committee and you you just don't think it's bearing a lot of fruit or whatever, and you just wonder if it's really futility. It isn't. Bert, the cross of service, the cross of witness, the cross of living as a disciple, these are the crosses that daily we gladly bear. Yeah. We gladly take up the cross to serve the one who gave his very life that we would be saved. And he continues and concludes this conversation. Again, you set it up, Alex, when he asked, who do men say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ. And then he told him again what he did in verse 31 is what sets all this up. He said, I must, the Son of Man, suffer many things, be rejected of the elders, chief priests, scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. 
This is the first time. What we what he did here, this is the furthest he got away from from Nazareth, from Jerusalem, as he went up to uh, Tyre and Sidon, far as we know, and Caesarea Philippi. This is the, except for Egypt, when he went to Egypt, uh, you know, as, but in his ministry, after he came back, this is the furthest he went. And when he said this, he sets his face toward Jerusalem. And then that's when Peter said, oh no, he rebuked him. And that's when Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. And then after this, he talked about the discipleship, what it would cost them. Alex, and mm. then he says this, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man, also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now, again, mm. these disciples did not want it to be this way. They were following Christ. They loved him. They found out he was the Son of God, but they preferred him doing a different way not going to Jerusalem, not suffering, not dying. But, Alex, the reason Jesus could do this, this is the only way. There, uh, There's no other way that the justice of God and the love of God could meet together except Jesus on the cross, he who knew no sin, becoming sin for us. Alex, I'm glad Jesus was willing to do the Father's will and about this is what's amazing. It says that it pleased the Father that the Son would suffer. Because why? It was the only way that we could be brought unto him. Aren't we thankful for that, brother? Well, amen. Amen. And let me just say this, folks. Uh, <laughs> there's very little new under the sun. Bert, I was just thinking about this today, how human nature just doesn't change. And now I know we've got some electronic gadgets that previous generations didn't have, but things like sinfulness and selfishness and, frankly, idolatry and false religion, these things have been around and they're around right now. Now, the disciples wanted, you know, till they, till they really understood, they, like Peter, you know, Lord, I'll never let this happen to you, though. And I, I've often wondered, because being a fisherman, no doubt, Peter was big, brawny, muscular guy. And maybe Peter thought, Lord, you know, they'll have to come through me. Don't you worry. Uh, anybody tries to harm you, I'll take care of them in short work. Maybe Peter was thinking that way, and Jesus had to rebuke him. Uh, the chief priests and the religious elites, they wanted another way. Uh, not the Lamb of God who would suffer to wash away the sin of the world, but religious elitism and fraternizing with Rome. Let me just say this, Bert. Today, people want salvation without an old rugged cross. They, they want a home in heaven without the blood of Calvary, which alone can wash sin away. And I, I want to say um, the idea that we can kind of improve on God's ideas it's nothing new. But, folks, the, the best thing we can do is take God at his word. Uh, Bert, the Bible says there's no other way to be saved but, but only through Jesus. The Bible says that he was born of a virgin and had no sin. We believe that. The Bible says there was an ark and a flood globally, and eight people were rescued, and Noah put two by two on that ark. I believe that. And the Bible says God created in six days, rested on the seventh. I believe that. Bert, um, whenever we try to improve on the gospel, uh, we can't. And in fact, we wind up with something less than the gospel, don't we? We really do. And let's, let me say this. What, you say, well, Alex, I'm glad you believe it. I don't. Let me just share with you. It is truth. It is truth. And God Amen. has said it. And we follow him. And I, again, we quote Adrian Rogers and Vance Havener, Billy Graham. We quote a few C.S. Lewis. Those are probably the most common ones that we, but Adrian Rogers said, how can we trust the Bible to tell us where we're going if we cannot trust it to tell us where we came from? And again, that is so true. And in here, we find out Jesus saying to them and saying to us, come unto me. This is where it's at. If you want life, you must lose your life in me. You must give it to me. I'm, you're bought with a price. You're to glorify God in your body. Jesus is the one that paid the price 
so that those who are listening today, you could be saved. And if you need more help and you need someone to talk with and pray with, let me give you this number. We, we talk about our partners. Here's another one of our partners, the Needium Ministry. It is 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. They'll pray with you. They'll talk with you. They'll share with you what it means to know Christ and how you can know him. And because why? Because let me read this word, this again. What shall it profit a man if a man gains the whole world but loses his own soul? Alex, we don't want anyone, anyone to go out of this world not knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is the answer. Knowing him, him Lord of your life, not just you saying, okay, I'll okie dokie, I'll do it. No, we're talking about a surrender of your mm-hmm. life to him and saying, Lord, you died on the cross, you were buried, you rose again. I know that, I believe that, but I not only know it mentally, but now, spiritually, now, soulishly, with my inner being, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin and come into my life as Lord. Alex, Amen. again, that's why I opened this up and said this is some of the most significant scriptures I believe there is in the Bible because Jesus talked about life. We're talking about eternal life. There's no other way, is there? There's no other way. There is no other way. And, you know, as we segue into Mark 9, uh, I want to recount for you, if I may, a conversation I had with a, an atheist. I was debating a pretty famous atheist about a decade ago. Now, listen to this. Mark 9, 1, he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter, James, and John, and they go up on a high mountain. And this is in Matthew 17, by the way. Okay, Bert, I was debating an atheist who said, uh, well, look, the kingdom of God hasn't come yet. Christ has not returned. And so Jesus said they would not taste death. So maybe somewhere on earth, Peter, James, and John are hiding away on earth 2,000 years old. And this atheist seemed pretty certain he had a contradiction here. Um, I think there's a very easy answer. But have you ever heard anybody raise this objection? I have. And again, uh, when did he come in his power? Listen. On the day of Pentecost, the power of God fell on humanity at the church, Alex. Now, you know, it can be looked at it different ways, but the power and the glory of God, we have, we read about it, and on Pentecost, they experienced it, did they not? They did. When we come back, I'm going to explain something that I think is going to be very enlightening, very helpful for you. Plus, we're going to take calls, the number 888-589-8840. Stay tuned. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. All of us have experienced failure, so why do we pretend we're perfect? Next time on Focus on the Family, Elisa Morgan describes her broken life and her broken family and how God has reconnected all the pieces into a glorious masterpiece. It's an inspirational message on the next Focus on the Family with Jim Daly. Focus on the Family is heard each weekday morning at 5 o'clock Central on American Family Radio. In a world where no one can tell us no. To this day, every human being born on this planet is the product of a male and a female. That's the way God set it up. God created us in His image. A place where Facebook and YouTube have no control. I think the command in Scripture relative to men and women is not mainly women sit down, but men stand up, act like men, lead as you're supposed to. A place where we can no longer be canceled. When the scripture speaks, God speaks. And if you understand that rightly, then everything else simply falls into place. The American Family Association presents the AFA streaming platform. 
Just visit streaming.afa.net for the latest films, documentaries, and AFA original productions. You'll even find videos from some of your favorite talk shows. All you have to do is create a free account at streaming.afa.net. They have healed the brokenness of my people superficially, saying peace, peace, but there is no peace. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Tragedy struck the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, when a woman, confused about her own identity, entered the school and murdered six people, three of whom were children. Initial reports concealed the murderer's confusion. Later reports identified the killer as transgender, a woman who presented herself as a man. Then almost immediately, the next comments were, but there's no evidence of mental health issues. A woman says she's a man, but everything's fine. Deviancy idolatry requires truth be sacrificed, even in the face of tragedy. May our Lord comfort the bereaved families in Tennessee. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Just give me Jesus. On Exploring the Word, that's exactly what we do try to do is give you Jesus Christ. You know, uh, just make much of Jesus, and he is the answer to our deepest need. And so, Alex, uh, before we go to the phone calls, you were wanting to say a word about this till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Go ahead. Right. And do you know, Bert, thank you for letting me finish this thought, by the way. Jesus said, some here will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God. Now, the English translation says, come with power. Really, the Greek could be rendered, which has come with power, or the kingdom of God, comma, having arrived with power. And then I think it's very significant that immediately after those words, talks about Peter, James, and John, that they go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they see Jesus in his the, the blazing brightness of his glory. But, Bert, I think it could be argued that uh, in that Bethlehem manger, the newborn, virgin-born Son of God, they could have said the kingdom of God has now arrived because it was the arrival of the king. Amen. Amen. Regardless, and again, it's one of those, chapter 9, verse 1 is one of those, we know it's the power of God and the glory of God. And the debate is, well, exactly when it is. It's not debated that it's not the glory and the power, Alex. That is the, it's sort of like his second coming. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he's coming, you know? And uh, so we have that, but he comes and he is in power. Well, let's go to the phone lines and first... We go to Arkansas and talk to Cody. Welcome, Cody. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, the story of David and Goliath has been used as a metaphor for Jesus coming and conquering the giant of sin in our lives so that we can be saved. My question is, what do we as believers have to tangibly do to see God's provision overcome the sin or giants in our daily lives. And I'll give a short example of men often struggle with sexual immorality as a struggle in their daily life, especially in today, but it's always kind of been that way. So how do we overcome that where it's, even though it's still there, we can have God's provision deliver us from it. Okay, Cody, thank you, mm. brother. Thank you for your practicality. Thank you for your honesty and question. Let me just share this. Two things, and Alex, I'll throw it to you. Notice where David came from. He came from spending time with the Lord. He had spent time on the on the. Judean side, hillsides, watching sheep, contemplating the things of God. He was either, he was even, I mean, he was ministering in himself, thinking and praying. And then the second thing I would say to this, 
he had seen God deliver him before from the bear. God had, he had experienced that deliverance and he knew. So what, I know this, Cody, it is spending time with God. You, you can't to say, oh, I'm going to do it in my own power. No, and trying to do it without God's power and not trying to spend time with him. Uh, the more time you spend with him in his word and in serving him and sharing him, you, the greater the power you have to be an overcomer and a conqueror. Go ahead, Alex. Well, uh, you know, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to use words that start with the letter C. He had a cause, he had courage, and he had conviction. You know, here's the thing. You're talking about David was victorious over Goliath, and what about we men uh, victorious over sin or, or any Christian, right? In in 1 Samuel 17, uh, verse 29, David says, Is there not a cause? And there there is a cause. Then he goes on in verse 32. He says, Let no man's heart uh, fail for fear, uh, because we're going to go and slay this Philistine. And then he, of course, says to Goliath, he says, You come with a shield and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord our God, the name of God, the Word of God. So what I'm saying is part of victory, Bert, I believe, whether it be a depression or overcoming your past or dealing with daily temptation uh, or feelings of inadequacy, we've got to have a cause. We've got to realize life is about making Jesus known and there is no higher cause. We've got to have courage. We're not afraid. We're not worried about failure. We're certainly not worried about what anybody thinks about us because we, uh, we're we not going to let our heart fail or our resolve give in because we serve the living God. And then we have conviction. We know the Word of God. And that's what this broadcast is aimed to do, is help people understand that their labor in the Lord is not in vain. So, Bert, I think when you're... When you've got that kind of focus and that purpose and you're standing on Christ, uh, you're bound to be victorious. Amen, Alex. Good word. And I, I just want to agree and restate this. He got those by spending time with God beforehand. Uh, yes. He didn't come to the battle worn out. He came refreshed. Refresh yourself each and every day in the Lord and purpose in your heart. I mean, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile his body. You got to have that. You got to have that goal. But God can give you strength through the power of the Holy Spirit, through 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 the Word of God, through accountability. I would make the th- second thing be accountable to someone in that area, Cody. Let's go to Oklahoma, and we're going to talk to John. Welcome, John. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Doing great Blessed. today. Yes. So I, I have a really big concern about the church right now because um, there's 70, 72 verses in the Bible where God insists on keeping his commands. John fourteen fifteen, Jesus himself says, if you love me, keep my commands. I want to know why the Christian church has accepted a violation of the fourth commandment because the Sabbath day is technically Friday at sundown, to Saturday at sundown, but every week Christians violate the Ten Commandments by worshiping on Sunday. Okay, John. John, no- I, we appreciate that. We're not uh, again. We've we we got the question, and don't mean to. Yeah, I did cut you off a little bit. We did, but we want to answer that because we've got other questions. This is one we get just about every week, Alex. And again, mm-hmm. let me make this statement, John. I hope you're still. I hope you're listening. You. It's not us. The early church, we're talking about the apostles that met with Jesus Christ, that saw the resurrected Lord, and they were meeting on the first day of the week, and they did not get corrected. We find Paul not correcting. He said, as you meet, as you meet first day of the week, lay aside the finances so that it will be there when I come. Had it been absolutely wrong, he would have said, don't you do that. Go back to the Sabbath day. So it wasn't the Catholic Church. It wasn't constant, you know, uh, it wasn't Constantine that changed it. The early church, they're the ones that met on the first day of the week, wasn't it, Alex? Oh, that's really true. And hey, you know, we, we have a lot of 
Sabbatarians that listen to the show, and we appreciate that. We really do. And a lot of Seventh-day Adventist people, and I know they, they love the Lord Jesus Christ. But regarding this uh, accusation that the church is worshiping on Sunday and that's wrong, friend, you got 1,800 years of church history that says you are wrong. The early church worshipped on Resurrection Day, Sunday. And look, the Seventh-day Adventist movement did not begin until around 1830 in the Second Great Awakening in America, and then it was officially organized in 1863. And originally they were called Millerites because they followed a, a teacher that, that taught a lot of um, really restoration of Judaic law and things like that. And so let me just say, with all due respect, and I love you, and if, you, if you're a believer in Jesus, we're family, but, and if you want to worship on Saturday, bless you, go for it. But Bert is right, within weeks after the cross, in fact, there's a, a respected scholar named James uh, Dunn, who documents how within four to six weeks after Calvary's cross, the early Christians were worshiping on Sunday and reciting the basic doctrines that we now believe that are found in like 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5. So Bert, um, uh, if people want to worship on Saturday, they're welcome to do it. But I mean, I guess, so are we to believe that for 18 centuries, Faithful Christians around the world were wrong and therefore lost? I, I really don't think so. I think we followed the New Testament model. Matter of fact, uh, what you find, John, out of the Ten Commandments, nine of them are repeated in the New Testament some way or other of knowing God first, not having idols, obeying your parents, all of those. But the one that is not repeated is the fourth one on the Sabbath day. It is not recorded again in the New Testament. And so, brother, but I agree with Alex, worship the Lord. Listen, I, I have folks, their jobs require them <clears throat> to be out on Sunday. <clears throat> and listen, I they, come, they came to our church on Wednesday night because that was their day. That's the day they had to come to worship. And the main thing is worship the Lord Jesus Christ, worship with others to do that. Thank you so much, John. I hope you keep listening, brother. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Karen. Welcome, Karen. Thank you. Good afternoon. Um, my question involves the Holy Spirit. And does the Holy Spirit come upon you once you believe and receive? And is this different from just having like a longing and a hunger within that makes one want to learn more and draw closer to Christ? Great question, Karen. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that question. Let me set it up, and I'll throw it to Alex. At the moment of salvation, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, which is his presence, takes place in our lives. He comes not upon us, uh, Karen, but comes in us. The Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. But go ahead, Alex. Well, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen says that we are all uh, of one spirit, and it says that when we believe in Jesus, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body and all given one spirit to drink. And, of course, Romans uh, 8, verse 9 says, if we don't have the Spirit, we are not of Christ. Now, if you are a believer in Christ, then conversely, you do have the Holy Spirit. So many verses we could give, I believe, teach that the Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell us, to seal us at the moment of salvation. But, Bert, the fact is, the ministries of the Holy Spirit have been operative all of our life long. Bert, I think when a child learns to feel uh, guilt over doing wrong and we learn how to confess our sins to you know the, our parents, uh, Mommy, I disobeyed you. Daddy, I, I, I did wrong. Please forgive me. Bert, I think all of our life the Holy Spirit is working, calling, wooing us, opening our understanding to get us to that point where we will be born again. And it's a beautiful thing. Uh, God calls and God draws us. The one thing the Spirit of God doesn't do is override our free will. 
Because salvation is a relationship, a legitimate relationship, uh, God brings us to this awareness, but we have to make the choice to put our faith in Jesus. So really, um, even though uh, conviction, conversion, indwelling, empowerment, the Spirit of God has many ministries in the lives of a born-again believer, but I think the Spirit of God is working on human beings from the time they're born upward, don't you really? He really is. He's working on us, but then at salvation, he works in and through us, and that's what we want. Let's go to Mississippi and talk to Wayne. Wayne, welcome. Yes, sir. Good evening, brothers. How y'all doing, Brother Bert and Brother Alex? Yes, Bless sir. You. I want to share this uh, a real quick. Revelation chapter 17, King James Bible. Speaking of the Antichrist. I've heard through my lifetime that uh, Antichrist will come out of the European Union. But John doesn't say that. He says, the beast that thou sawest was. That's in the past. Yes, sir. And it was not. No reason not here and yet. And he says he comes out of the bottomless pit. I'm going to close up and let y'all young men uh, <laughs> say what the Lord lays on my heart, because I'm going to hear it too. Amen, Wayne. You've made my day calling me a young man. And uh, I, I look around, and everybody in this room's laughing at that, uh, Alex. But listen, we don't know the Antichrist. The Antichrist. Who will it be? We don't know. But he is going to be empowered by Satan himself, isn't he? He really is. And uh, I, I want to tell you an interesting verse, Daniel eleven thirty seven. Now, will he come out of the, the reunified uh, Roman Empire, the European Union? I don't know. Uh, Bert, a lot of people, including most of the reformers like Luther uh, and the Wesleys during the you know time 500 years ago till about 200 years ago, believed he might be part Jewish and homosexual because Daniel 11.37 says that he will not regard the God of his fathers nor have the desire of women. Now, what does that mean? Is he so... The, the Antichrist is going to be so immersed in his career of political ascendancy that he doesn't have time to get married. But here's the thing. He's going to be a counterfeit, a counterfeit Messiah, a counterfeit leader, and he's going to be, as the Bible says, the man of sin. Bert, the one that will be the Antichrist could be alive on planet Earth even right now. Even today. And so what do you do? You get right with God. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you stay in the Word. You serve Him. You pray. You seek Him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Greater is He that is in us, Alex, than he that is in the world. That is a promise to claim, isn't it? It really is. Folks, thank you so much for listening. And again, let's keep Steve Tiber in eight days of hope and prayer. Keep on reading in Mark chapter 9. We'll reconvene tomorrow. In the meantime, tell somebody about AFR. Most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.